listening to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker, longtime Kentucky beat writer, hopefully at some point coming to a new website near you. In the meantime, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, Curtis and I will be talking about it here Monday through Friday, every week, every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kyle, Kentucky football is 3-0 after a convincing win against Murray State. Uh, that was a bugaboo last year for Kentucky. They couldn't put teams they should be able to demolish away, but they were successful in that on Saturday's matchup. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take a look around the SEC real quick today because there were some interesting scores uh, across the conference. And finally, we're going to wrap with a little bit of basketball, but actually it's not basketball. It's actually duck-duck-goose takes, which is something you might not expect on this podcast, but we cover it all. Kyle, though, what was your biggest takeaway from this Kentucky win? I mean, they just, you know, kind of obliterate Murray State. They just had, it was, I wouldn't say it was struggling in the first half, but they put didn't put them away super early. No, it, it, and it was kind of odd because it felt like they were, controlling that game really from start to finish but uh the score didn't really uh indicate that until until we got to the second half it was what 17-3 at the break um and then Kentucky kind of dropped the hammer and I, I was honestly impressed that they were in a position of not only second string but third string guys come in and make big play um I think it was really important to get some of those guys some reps uh to get a look at some of them uh and also to find out if it might be you know playmakers down the road for him. Zaire Hughes with the huge play on the on the trick play. Uh, Alan Daly with a terrific um, second, third, fourth effort uh, to get into the end zone uh, on, on a pass from the backup quarterback, Gunnar Hoke. Uh, we finally saw Danny Clark, uh, much to his father's uh, delight, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, maybe we saw um, Benny Snell Jr., um, late in that game as well. It was, uh, I, th- I guess, that my big takeaway is probably all the young guys that we were able to see, um, and some of them for the first time, and and many of them actually get in there and do something big. Yeah, speaking of big, Marquand McCall, he's a big guy in there. Got a got a sack, I believe he was credited for from the nose guard position. You don't get a ton of those, but he's he seems to be. A different kind of animal. I mean, it was interesting when he first came to Kentucky. There was semi debate of what what which line he would play on the offense or defense. Uh, early returns, or they made the correct decision playing him on the defensive side. He had a couple of impacts, and when you just look at him in practice, he he really looks like it belongs. It was probably an ideal situation overall for Kentucky getting all those guys some reps. And you know, Stoops went into it in the post game, kind of talking about. Uh, how he he wasn't sure necessarily just because uh, you saw a freshman in that game doesn't mean that you know they're going to play the rest of the season with the new redshirt rule you can play four games and still have your redshirt intact so it'll be interesting to see who who continues to play and who kind of we don't see any more of I think McCall is probably one we're definitely going to be seeing going forward partially because of the injury to Quentin Bohanna but partially just because I think he's super talented. Yeah, I mean, he looks like an impact guy to me. It's hard to find those guys uh, in college football. It's critical to find them in the SEC, uh, and the more the better. The the big difference makers who can occupy occupy more than one blocker and who can um, disrupt things up front. He looked. I, I was one I should have mentioned as well. He looked really good. I also mentioned, you know, Benny Snell Jr., Chris Rodriguez, who they hope will be their next big back. Um, 
he gets in there and all he does is pop a 16 and then a 27-yard run and break some tackles and run very reminiscent of Benny Snell. Uh, he only had two carries, but they, they gained 43 yards, uh, and I was, I was really impressed with him in the very small sense you got to see. Also, Lynn Bowden appears to be the go-to wide receiver. I mean, it is a little early, but it seems like he and, he and Terry Wilson kind of have a connection. He caught a career-high eight passes for 89 yards, and he, they were doing a lot of the things that I think most people thought they would do early in his career, kind of with the screen action and those kind of deals, just getting to him and getting him the ball in space. Uh, but it seems like he's finally, he's fully transitioned into the wide receiver after getting here late last season as a freshman, coming in, playing quarterback in high school. He now seems to be a true wide receiver from you know what I was able to see, and obviously he's going to be a big weapon going forward. Yeah, he he has 17 catches for 185 yards through three games. Uh, that is more than double anybody else's uh, receiving yardage total on the team, and it's a dozen more catches. Number two on the team in receiving is David Bouvier, five catches for 91 yards. So uh, there's a huge gap between Lynn Bowden, who's clearly the favorite target now, uh, and everybody else. It'll be interesting to see kind of moving forward, does Alan Daly – and, and Zaire Hughes, do those two guys, you know, do they become a, a bigger piece of this uh, passing attack? Dorian Baker, just something, even as a senior, something is missing there that he just can't seem to put it all together. Uh, so they're going to have to find some other guys. And, you know, I think in both Bouvier uh, and maybe in one of these other young guys that have found some other options. Yeah, uh, I mean, that that is interesting to see. And with Hughes, I mean, he didn't... I guess he he didn't catch a pass, but he scored a touchdown, and I mean that's that's something I guess we we probably should have acknowledged at the start. Most importantly, you talked about the three quarterbacks playing Kyle, including Danny Clark, but the best quarterback on the field was Benny Snell. One pass, one touchdown. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird if I'm looking at his stats right now. He's credited with zero catches for 49 yards and a touchdown, uh, Zaire <laughs> Hughes, because he. Uh, he, he didn't receive the ball, and really nobody caught a pass on that play, but uh, the direct snap to Benny Snell uh, sort of pitched ahead about two feet to the quarterback, the real quarterback, Terry Wilson, uh, who then gave it on a, on a reverse to uh, Zaire Hughes, who was coming, streaking the other direction uh, on the sweep and, and scored what, four, I think, 49-yard touchdown. Uh, showed off his speed, showed off why they wanted uh, to utilize him in that situation um, and and raised some debate, I guess, in-game and after the game. Like, why would you break that out in a blowout win against Murray State? Why not save it? Save your trick for, for Mississippi State. Uh, but I thought the explanation after that one made a lot of sense, which was um, that then makes your next opponent and future opponents go back and study They've got to respect that. They've got to put in a you know a, a defense of that play, and it open up it opens up things in theory for um, your more basic actions out of that out of that look. Um, the things that you're going to run more often uh, might have a little more room to operate because they can't uh, necessarily cheat on that play, or else you can run that trick play again. Yeah, and I also think it's kind of important just to because that was Zaire Hughes's first ever touch as an offensive player. He never had the ball uh, before that moment on an offensive play because he switched sides a couple of times and there was kind of a, a push and pull from, well, you know, who's he going to play for? Obviously, Mark Stoops wants almost every talented 
person who doesn't have a true position to become a defensive back because uh, that's his his baby position. That's what you know what he what he makes his bones at. And I think Hughes kind of going back and forth. It's important to kind of keep him engaged because we saw the speed, we saw what he can do. And you know when people talk about the fastest player on the team. The players bring up Hughes. I'm not. We don't need to rehash that whole debate. But when you when you know when guys start lifting listing off who who is the fastest on the team, he Fish as they call him. That play was actually named I think Fish Twelve. I read that's his nickname for him. And so you want to keep that guy involved because he's a playmaker. And yeah, now uh, Mississippi State they have to figure out how to how to you know get that play. And if nothing else, when Hughes comes on the field, he's going to be accounted for. And that's an advantage for the yeah. Kentucky offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, they they have to establish some weapons other than Benny Snell uh, and Terry Wilson. I mean, they've got to have some other people uh, that have accounted for, respected uh, in the passing game. You know, we still haven't really seen a ton in terms of uh, C.J. Conrad being involved. Eight catches for 36 yards, a four-and-a-half-yard-per-catch average, not great. Uh, with your star tight end, um, so they've got to they've got to find some other guys that people are afraid of as a threat, and and maybe maybe a couple emerged in this in the last couple weeks here. All right, we're going to look around the SEC here in a second, but first I wanted to tell you guys football is here, and if you've missed season long fantasy leagues, have no fear, you can still play Fanduel. Fanduel has one week and even one day games, and now they are here to help you even more. Guru is a new tool that makes building smarter lineups simple for fans at of all skill levels. So players can be confident you're putting the best team on the field. This is a responsive wizard-like draft experience that makes recommendations and provides tips as you draft based on who you are picking. I'm on FanDuel, made my selections for the NFL games this week. Uh, hopefully they turn out pretty well. I don't have Kyle on I don't have AJ Green on my team like Kyle does, so I can't be as good as him. Um, but what you got to do is you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. And right now, when you go to that web address, new players get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on Fanduel. So come play with me at fanduel.com slash locked on. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kind of a weird day around the SEC and around college football overall, Kyle. Uh, I thought, you know, probably kind of tangentially uh, related to the Kentucky program, the Louisville-Western game was really interesting. Uh, the A couple of uh, controversial plays involved a, a Lexington High School product, Devon Key. He had an interception that was overturned. And then Eli Brown made a huge hit in the red zone for Western Kentucky. Obviously, he's the transfer from Kentucky. Uh, but that game uh, was really close. Louisville ends up with the win, but Western had a kick in the air that would have sent it to overtime. Uh, what else kind of was interesting to you around college football? Well, LSU with a, with a huge, huge win, um, come from behind win over Auburn uh, in the big SEC matchup of the day. Uh, I think the heat for a good while now, or at least a little while now, uh, is off at Ogeron. That he's, you know. People have wondered if he can really get it done, um, you know, if he's the right man. You know, did you let go of Les Miles, who's won a national championship for a guy who's not going to be any better and might be a little worse, have been some of the some of the conversations. Uh, he really needed to do something with this season and to, I think, to start the year with a win over Miami. 
a convincing win, 33-17, and then have a come-from-behind win uh, over Auburn, top-10 Auburn, and at Auburn um, is huge. They have – the Tigers have uh, the best resume in college football right now. Uh, I think it's pretty inarguable to beat Miami and LSU early. That that jumped out at me. Alabama just absolutely wrecking Ole Miss. Uh, 49 points in the first half, 62-7 to seven, the final score. Uh, everybody played, I think, for them. To uh, uh, the quarterback was spectacular again. Uh, I'm not going to try to say his last name because I'm sure I'll mess it up every single time, but he was really, really special again. Jalen Hurts, really good. Got to play plenty, 7 of 10, 85 yards, through t- two touchdowns um, to sort of, I guess, maybe keep him happy for now. Um, but that, that Alabama team is just um, a juggernaut. I don't, I, Ole Miss is a little bit of a mess, but I, th- I thought they had a really good quarterback, um, and, and he looked reduced to rubble last night. Um, so that was, that was a, kind of an eye-catching, I guess, um, result. They are, according to ESPN, this Alabama team is the first team in the history of the SEC to open a season with three straight 50-point uh, offensive outputs. So that's something. Uh, Alabama just more terrifying than ever. Um, you know, Georgia rolled again. Vanderbilt hung tough with Notre Dame. That was interesting. Um, of, of more immediate note, well, I, I guess I, the one I really should mention, Arkansas getting just destroyed in North Texas. Not a good look. Uh, not a great sign for Chad Morris. Fans are, are rightfully turning quickly on this Arkansas team and staff. They're one and two now. And to lose at home to North Texas and also uh, not not just lose at home, not just get blown out to a, in theory, and much inferior team, but also be the victim of the most ridiculous trick play ever, a fake fair catch that then was like the guy caught it, was just kind of standing around, uh, never signaled for the fair catch, but sort of gave all the body language of a guy who'd fair caught it didn't do anything after he caught it and the coverage team just stood around him. And then when he realized it was all clear, the guy took off and went 90 yards for a touchdown. That is one of the crazier plays you'll ever see and adds quite a bit of insult to the injury there for Arkansas. Um, and, and then to me, I guess the one that we need to talk about and think about is Mississippi state roll again. Now three and zero. Nick Fitzgerald was ridiculous again. I think he had six total touchdowns, 350 total yards, another 100-plus yard rushing game for him, 15 carries for 107 yards and four touchdowns. And they, they won big over Louisiana. Consider the competition, obviously, but uh, Nick Fitzgerald is going to be a huge headache for Kentucky, and that is going to be a massive challenge, but also opportunity for Kentucky at home, night game, two 3-0 and teams colliding, and, and this would be – uh, even bigger than Florida, this would be the opportunity for Kentucky to make a statement that it is a um, bona fide um, contender, I guess. I mean, you beat Mississippi State, you're going to be ranked, and you're going to be considered, I think, a challenger in the SEC East. Yeah, also uh, a note from the SEC East standpoint, uh, Missouri goes on the road and beats Purdue. Purdue falls to 0-3, which is kind of surprising considering how much positive buzz uh, they've had. Uh, I mean, from an Kentucky standpoint, that's something to keep an eye on, in part because Jeff Brom has been crushing it, recruiting the city of Louisville recently. So if Purdue kind of falls back to the earth, then maybe uh, UK can take advantage and Vince Merrow can get up in Louisville and, and make some headway with 
with a couple of those guys. I, I should be noted also, again, Kyle, you talked about how Kentucky could, in theory, get into the rankings. They were close. I believe uh, from the numbers I read, it was 31st in the AP and 26th in the coaches, so they were right on the cusp of being in the rankings, and I don't think there's any question a win over Mississippi State would definitely get them in there. I did see some people complaining about who was ahead of them in the coaches poll. I think it was Boston College, if I'm remembering correctly, and and the wins that they have are not super-duper impressive, but you just got to kind of keep in mind most of those things are... A guy gets something set, and then they just move it, slide it up and down accordingly to wins and losses as they're not reevaluating each week. Yes, I think that's about right. And the bottom line is, even if Kentucky snug in the rankings this week, if you go get your butt kicked by Mississippi State next week, you're right back out. And if you are not ranked this week and you go beat Mississippi State this weekend, you will be ranked, and you'll probably get jump up uh, inside the top 20 if you beat a team like that. So. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Week week three rankings don't matter very much at all. The fact that they're they're right outside just indicates that they are getting some attention and respect. I think nationally, uh, and I think they're probably getting about what they have earned to this point. So there will be some big opportunities to earn more of that in the next two weeks. And you said that's the bottom line because cash money that's says so. The bottom line. That's right. So uh, real quick, I guess before we get to the last segment and before I do my my bookie read. I think I went, I went one and two on the picks, the over under. Kyle went two and one. If I think we saw Cash Daniel twice, the little video. I was at the game and then came to the radio station, so I didn't see the whole broadcast. But I'm going to take one win, and if I'm wrong, you guys can call me out on it. But I'm going to still take one win. I'm not going to go over three. The attendance was really lower than I think both of us thought, Kyle. Yeah, it was announced like 48,000 or something. Uh, we picked over on 55. The capacity is around 61. Uh, the pictures I saw at the Anthem were very depressing, uh, very light attendance, or at least uh, people in the seats when things started. And, and when they announced attendance as sub in the unit, the actual attendance was not very good at all. That's, uh, you know, look, it's a noon game uh, against a bad opponent, but I just, and people kept telling me that, but I just feel like if there's ever a time to kind of welcome home your team, it's after they end a three decades long losing streak to a league opponent and go do it in impressive fashion and get everybody in theory fired up. I mean, you're flipping cars over in the in the streets, but you don't show up to the game is a, a little surprising, I guess, but next week... Will be the will tell the tale. If you if you if you're not full for night game against a really good uh, Mississippi State team, when your own team is three and zero and got a chance to make some noise, then you know I, I think we'll talk a little more about attendance if that's the case next week. But I, I would expect that the surge will come uh, in this one. Maybe we should have waited and picked the uh, the attendance over under then. But yeah, I was a little a little surprised it was as low as it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. I think just attendance around college football is just going to go down unless they're those huge, huge games that fans want to get out and uh, really want to see in person and be part of an atmosphere. And that's one of those things that's kind of chicken or the egg. You know, do I come and make the atmosphere or do I go and, you know, be part of it? It's it's kind of, you know, you can't have it both ways if as a fan to a certain extent. Um, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. 
But if you think you know, you got to check out MyBookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Uh, right now, MyBookie wants to make sure customer service is the best it can be. And there are a ton of people betting, but they want to offer you a promo if you can help them out. You get a free $25 bonus if on deposits of $100 or more. Right now, if you use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25 and deposit after 7 p.m. So go to MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25 after 7 p.m. and you're going to get free money. You play, you win, you get paid. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, Kyle, you ready to talk Duck, Duck, Goose? Let's do it. Well, first off... Quaddy Green is way too competitive, in my opinion. It's kind of crazy that, you know, he just has to be a, a meanie pants to a bunch of kindergartners. <laughs> I didn't get the sense when the Kentucky basketball team visited a local elementary school here in Lexington. They delivered some meals for um, kids to, I think, I believe uh, kids who were on free lunch that when to take home with them over the weekends. I believe that is through God's pantry. They've done that. They always do that. They bring some of the meals and deliver them and then play various games some years it's dodge some basketball some uh kickball uh and we had some relays and duck duck this year and uh and i don't feel like anyone explained to quite green uh why they were there like how it was supposed to work i think he thought he was there to dominate these kids and teach them what losing feels like uh because every every activity letting them win like the duck duck goose i mean he he went full sprint to chase down the kid so he would have to keep playing uh he was i think cheating in some things uh in the in the game a knockout that we saw very competitive very competitive his teammates afterwards tyler tyler hero um and Keldon johnson both said they were unsurprised because it's in in their experience quad a green will do anything to win so Including uh, cheat. Yeah, you got like that competitive fire, but that that was uh, he was a little intense. He was a little intense for uh, elementary school uh, playground games. Well, here's one thing. You, I don't know if you caught it or not, but he tried to do the old. I'm a college basketball player. I'm going to swat the shot of a little elementary school kid. Too bad the elementary school kid scored on him. Yeah, like not by accident. It was a legit show. Like he tried to he tried to swat it and the kid scooped it up off the glass and in and uh yeah it was that was a very nice bucket i was impressed and uh, i'm sure quade got some got some uh hard times from the teammates in the on the van ride back to campus the guy who had the worst day though there was emmanuel quickly during got caught the, by a little girl and duck duck goose yes he did that that's how his day started but during the knockout game, and the knockout game was just for like entertainment purposes. It was just the guys from the team that were there, and they played. I'm trying to remember. Oh, here's what. So he gets hit with the ball because they were doing half-court knockout, even though they were all cheating by the end of it, um, and like at the three-point line, which is neither here nor there. Um, but I think E.J. Montgomery shot an air ball when quickly was under the basket, and he just got beamed. He didn't see it coming, got hit with the basketball. 
And then he was trying to knock out Keldon Johnson, but Keldon Johnson decided to play defense. I don't, I still don't, I'm not 100% sure if that's legal or not. But Keldon Johnson just completely swatted his shot. And it was, it was, it's, it's in a ridiculous manner, but it kind of shows how awesome Keldon Johnson is at defense that he's just goofing around and is able to block, you know, another player of Quickly's caliber out. And then his day got wrapped up. Emmanuel's quickly day was wrapped up when he they tried to do it was like a simultaneous dunk in the knockout game, and Hero put it in over top of him and before him, and so he got dunked on and then eliminated from knockout. So tough day for Emmanuel quickly. Yes, very tough day. I think uh, I think that'll probably have a deep impact on his playing time at Kentucky, and uh, hopefully his confidence has not been broken. It was fun to watch those guys. They interact with the kids. I think they put on a show. Keldon Johnson put on like a total aerial assault on that poor, uh, not very flexible uh, elementary school rim. Yeah, um, he did. Uh, he did uh, between the legs dunk and all kinds of other crazy dunks, and was like dropping the hammer Vince Carter style every time. So another guy who who I don't think he took himself too seriously, but he was not messing around when it came uh, came time to throw down the dunks. Keldon Johnson. Did win knockout. Tyler Hero finished second to answer his critics, a.k.a. Chris, from this podcast, calling him out um, in previous episodes. So uh, there you go. That's your breakdown of knockout and what it means for Kentucky basketball going forward. Kyle. Pretty special. Let them know where they can follow you online right now on social media. Uh, At Kyle Tucker underscore SEC. For the time being, I found out that is going to change with my new job, but I do start work. I start getting paid uh, on Monday, but I don't. Uh, I won't actually launch my first story until October first. But it's coming soon, and uh, I'm excited about it. So stay with me. Sorry to mislead you, folks, but uh, all secrets will will be revealed uh, very shortly. Two weeks. I feel like we've reached a point where it's like <laughs> when people there might be the people are like probably have all kinds of crazy theories about it at this point and it's while I, i'm yeah. you're everyone's gonna i think enjoy your work at your new place of work it's gonna be like oh okay <laughs> instead of like there's people are probably thinking <laughs> yeah. like oh there's oh wait this wait fletcher page is leaving the courier what does that mean for kyle tucker yes, <laughs> I, I saw i saw a few a few tweets about that i'm going back courier job opening now but uh that's one thing i'll tell you it's not there uh dang it i'm gonna i was i had the p diddy i'm coming home i'm coming home (laughs) (laughs) um you can follow me on on twitter at curtis birch b-u-r-c-h be sure to be following along at locked on uk search locked on kentucky on facebook and you can follow along with our info there if you're interested in advertising, give us a shout on email, LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com. However and wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, review, comment, and then share on your social media so other people can get locked on to Locked On Kentucky. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.